Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to the Daily Evolver. One of the great pleasures for me of doing this show is that I get to talk to and highlight to the integral community at large uh, some of the people who are using integral theory in the most interesting and effective ways. And um, that's especially cool for, I think, a guy like me who I, I really just like to think about it, <laughs> you know, but to talk to people who are applying it, who are using it in, in some form of integral functioning is really thrilling to me. And my guest today is an exemplar of this. And in, 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 a, in a way, a most unexpected field, but a very fertile one. And that is the field of sports and athletic performance. And my guest is Scott Ford. And Scott Ford, who I'll introduce in a second, I'm just going to give a little bit of background. Scott is the author of the book, Integral Consciousness and Sport, Unifying Body, Mind, and Spirit Through Flow. He is also founding member of the Sports Energy and Consciousness Group, which is a collective of doctors and psychologists, scientists, athletes, coaches, and a growing group of people. They're having their third conference coming up here in July in San Rafael. And um, yeah, a great group. And I'll read just a, a, a line from their mission statement because I think this sort of helps orient Scott and what we'll be talking about. They write, our mission is to accelerate the global evolution of human consciousness, right up my alley, <laughs> by providing transformational practices that translate the wisdom of sports, quote, ideal performance state. And I love that, the ideal performance state, which they initial cap each word. So it translates the wisdom of sports ideal performance state into practical training methods that include energetics, awakened states of consciousness, and the unification of body, mind, and spirit. To which I say hallelujah and welcome Scott Ford to the Daily Evolver. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, very much. It's very nice to be here, and hello to your audience. Thank you yeah. for inviting me to be on your show. My great pleasure and privilege. Uh, what I love about your work and your book is that you are using an explicit integral framework. You're using Ken Wilber's Aqua Map yeah. to chart development of athletic performance. And you know, right up past excellence into flow states, uh, transpersonal states. And I want to get to all of that because, you know, it's applicable to life in general. Yes. Uh, uh, but, but first, uh, I thought I might ask you to just fill our listeners in on your background and your journey to, to where you are, uh, which is, I believe started quite early at age 11, right? Yeah, you know, I started playing tennis when I was 11. And fortunately, I had two older brothers who sort of waxed me daily until I got better. And so I had some really good practice partners. And um, I ended up winning the 
Colorado State championships as a 12 and under player. And one of the things that I always wanted to do was be around my brothers while they were teaching in the Sorora Park and Rec Department. So I would go hang out with them and shag balls and everything, and they'd teach lessons to all the people. And one week we had four little kids who were just bothering everybody. And the guy who was running the program said, Scott, here's a bucket of balls and some rackets. Go down there and keep those four little kids out of our hair. So basically, I went down there with these little kids and showed them the, all of the stuff that I'd been learning in the tennis tournaments I was playing in because I'd always ask whoever was the main tennis pro at the club if I could watch them teach. And they'd go, sure, kid, just sit over here. Don't, don't cause any trouble. Just you can watch. And so I learned by watching other tennis pros kind of how to play tennis myself and all of the techniques and teaching techniques that they use for groups. And so I ended up lining up these four little kids down on the end court and had them practice. And you're 12. I'm 12. They're eight, nine. And pretty soon the coach comes down and goes, Scott, where'd you learn to do this? And I, I, I was doing better stuff than they were doing, basically. <laughs> this is kind of where I learned. And he said, you want a job? And I went, well, yeah. So here I was at 12 years old, and I had my first tennis teaching job in this little teeny park and rec program in Aurora. And basically, my life has been sort of surrounded by tennis, either as a, a player or as a, a teacher. And I have been teaching it every year of my life ever since. Wow. So I'm 70 this year, so that's yeah. what I'm that's a lot of years. <laughs> I would say say you have achieved mastery. I yeah, I I will agree there, although you know that's a flexible term. I keep Fair working, enough. you know. Well, and that's what I wanna I, I wanna look at is you know that you're actually not only achieving mastery in terms of how we would think about tennis being played, but you're moving the ball, if you're pardon the expression. Yeah. into new territory and why don't we just get right into that and, and uh, i'm going to put up a, a chart that you put together called the stages of coaching and competitive development that is aligned with integral theory uh, yes. uh i know a lot of you are listening into a podcast and you won't see this but it's on the site and we'll keep it simple uh it it, it is pretty simple uh so uh, here i'm going to put it on a share screen here and I think that should do it. Are we seeing it, Scott? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Let me make sure. And basically, uh, if I could just put the lay of the land here, you're talking about basically two tiers of athletic development. The first tier you've divided into three stages, stage one, two, and three. And then there's a shift into integral, which you consider to be four, and then unitive uh, uh, stage five. Right. So with that in mind, uh, let's just look at the, you know, the development of uh, athletic development here. You know, it's, I can use myself as an example here because down in, in stage one, that was me at like age 12. I was 
sort of learning the, the fundamentals of the game and I was teaching them. That's exactly what I was doing while I was playing as a, as a competitor in the local tournaments. And, the, and what you have here is, you know, this is the, the first stage where it's, you're learning the foundational techniques and the rules and the tools and just, you know, getting your arms around it. Exactly. And that's, that's all that happens really early on with any kind of coaching in any kind of sport. When we, when we start people off, it's basically, okay, here's the rules and tools and here's some basic fundamentals. And then we kind of toss them I'd out. like to say just incidentally that I, 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 I think that's as far as I ever got in any sport. <laughs> but I'm actually not sure I even got that far. It's sort of applying it to myself here. All right. So anyway, we're moving to, to, to stage two, which yeah. is uh, recreational winning, achievement, strategy, tactics, strength training, and more complex techniques. Yeah. And if you just think of the, the growing up process, this is where everything gets a lot more complexity added to the entire game. It just becomes more complex. It becomes faster. The competition becomes tougher and the prizes become greater. And you go into, it really becomes this almost kill or be killed type of competitive arena, at least when I grew up. And this is probably where most of the coaching in the world takes place. This would be what, high school, right? Yeah, it would be it would be high school or it would be adult medium level recreational play or even high level recreational play state tournaments. This could go actually up to almost college. And mm -hmm. then college you start getting up into more of the elite level, that's the green, that's the post conventional level stage 3 where we've got a lot of excellent mental training starts to come in here whereas in the conventional stage it's mostly physical training and some strategies and stuff but it's, it's skills and all that good stuff based about skills and then as we get into the elite level it gets into more of the mind game and here you're you're competing and if you have some mental skills on top of your physical skills then this mind body unit you're using is going to play better right there's really a level where the coaching at this level of development really starts talking about self-excellence and that on the developmental um, pathways the this is where the cleaning up pathway really starts to take place because higher level athletes especially college olympic level athletes even professional athletes they really have to have their act together mentally when they go out and play and they're playing day in and day out and day in and day out. And it gets, gets really difficult if you don't have some sort of mindfulness or some sort of practice where you're practicing competitive concentration. Mm -hmm. so that's, this is really, um, you know, this is the elite level even yeah. today. I mean, oh, this yeah. would be a lot of professionals at mm -hmm. this level, and this is still just level three. Right. Uh, but th this this is that um, you know the, the we got the mind body together. Yep. 
we're working on our mental stuff, visualization, a lot of stuff of, that we think of as cutting-edge coaching. Well, a and, lot of this started, Jeff, back in the human potential movement, back in you know, the, the late 50s, early 60s, um, out in California, in the San Francisco Bay Area, with the human potential movement, and Esalen was a big part of this, and it really was where the first um, display of any kind of visualization slash training started to happen, and some of the guys in our, our sport, energy, and conscience group were the actual first founders of the Esalen Sports Center, and they used a lot of these techniques. A tennis uh, pro by the name of Timothy Galway, who wrote a, a very famous book in the tennis circles called The Inner Game of Tennis. I remember that book. Yeah, that that came was a big out book. Of, yeah, in 1974. And that basically blew the socks off of traditional tennis teaching, which was heavily into biomechanics and the kinetic chain and yada, yada. And, and it was somebody like this, Timothy Galway came along and he brought some Zen philosophy into coaching. Right. And it was fascinating to watch, but all of us um, certified biomechanics pros, myself included, thought that he was sort of a joke because- really? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. It was there. There was this almost as you talk about an anti teaching establishment. That was us. We, we did it our way and that we were real proud of how much we knew about just the mechanics. All, of, you, all you stage two people. Yeah, we were heavily into that and even into stage three where we were elite coaches. All they are is the elite biomechanics coaches really <laughs> taken it even farther and have started to include, but this is where the mind game started to be right. in coaching. So well, this clearly is, they won you over at some point. Yeah, it, it, it did. And I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> a few years later, it won me over big, but that was sort of the, and it still is the top of the heap in coaching. Well, 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 Scott, is this where, so we hear about uh, like Phil Griffin, we, we hear about the Mariners meditating. Uh, is this what we're talking about? With it's just started. Cutting edge of... Yeah, they're, they're really kind of at the leading edge of what's going on in professional coaching now. They went from just having sports psychologists come in to having mindfulness coaches. Um, they're doing a lot of yoga practices. They're doing a lot of meditation practices now. They don't like to admit it but they are. Yeah. Well, this is also true of coaches in business and, you know, the sort of other category of coaches exactly. using a lot of meditative and, you know, uh, mindfulness mm -hmm. uh, as a means of excellence, as a means of self-mastering. Yes. And, and the key word there is self-excellence. Mm -hmm. This is really why um, college coaches, especially and Olympic level coaches are going what we are trying to get across to you is to bring out your own self-excellence. And in so doing, you will perform at your highest level and you'll win more gold medals and I'll be, uh, I'll be considered a really high-level coach. Well, that's a beautiful thing. It is, absolutely. But it's not the end. No. And, and it's, it is, however, almost like a glass ceiling that, that hits coaches 
where the next thing that has to happen in those developmental pathways is this waking up to higher stages of competitive consciousness. And that would be this flow state, this flow consciousness. And when, when, we, when we see that coming into play, um, that's where the stage three coaches are, they, they don't like us at all because we're going beyond, well, they're, they're starting to. Well, like, they understand flow though, right? I mean, well, or yeah. not. They, I mean, they, actually, before, before we talk too much about flow, let's define it ourselves here. Do you want to take a shot at it? I'll absolutely take a shot at it, and I'll tell you exactly how it happened with me. Um, in 1978, I was literally getting ready to quit coaching because I was so tired of teaching people how to move their feet and take their backswing and do all of the biomechanics stuff, and then sending them out and then watching them. You know, sometimes they play well, sometimes they wouldn't, but... I, I myself was having trouble with my timing. I was out hitting with a guy, we were preparing for a tournament, and we were just hitting back and forth from mid-court and just sharp volleys back and forth, about one, two seconds max in between each hit. And I was hitting everything late. And I was supposed to be a big elite tennis pro and I'm hitting the ball late and I'm missing shots and I felt awful. And I, all of a sudden I just said, this is silly, let's, do something to fix your timing. And for some reason, I decided to pretend like I had a big imaginary invisible shield, like a big window out in front of me, just like right out here where I would like to make contact with the ball. And I started saying, okay, if I make contact there, my timing will be at least consistent. Let's see what happens. So I started doing this and I was watching the ball as closely as I could back and forth. And sure enough, I was still hitting it late. So I said, well, the heck with this, I'm gonna just stop doing that. I'm, I'm gonna just keep my focus on this window and not let anything get past it. And I started doing this hit and then go, yeah, that was good. No, that was behind. Yes, no, yes, 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 yes. Suddenly, and I mean suddenly, I just got totally entranced in this little childlike game of defending this imaginary window. And I was knocking the crap out of the ball. <laughs> I was hitting as good a shots as I've ever hit in volleys. And I was, every time I was doing it, I was going, yes, yes, yes. And the guy on the other side of the net goes, Scott, what are you doing? It's like, you got in the zone, what's going on? And I said, that's exactly what's going on. And I could feel it. And, and frankly, Jeff, I just, all of a sudden I went, oh my God, I found it. Yeah. That was my exact words. Because I knew this, is, this was like the holy grail of sport. It's what everything we ever tried to do. And every once in a while, it would kind of come over us randomly it would be like we'd come in and we'd play in the zone for a little while and then it would leave you go what in the hell just happened well that's what i love about your um writing you talk about flow by choice not by chance mm -hmm. and that you have a uh you know a, a reliable uh, portal or way into that mm -hmm. um uh, but 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 you know just from a developmental 
point of view or even a consciousness point of view, what's happening is we're having a collapse of subject, subject and object. Yes, yes. Correct? That was exactly what was happening. Although at the time, I was more into, wow, I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm playing really, really well. And then my opponent asked me what I was doing. And I, I showed him and he kind of chuckled at me, you know, imaginary window, you got to be kidding. And I said, no, 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 try it. So he tried it and he started going, yes, no, yes, no. And suddenly he got in the zone as well. And I, we must have hit 50, 60 balls in a row and just very good volleys. And we stopped and I said, were you in the zone? And he said, yeah. And he said, this is cool. And I said, he was a, happened to be a clinical psychologist. And I said, what's going on? You're the psychologist. And he actually said, we don't know. You know, we, we know about this being in the zone. And it was just at the time starting to be called flow. Right. This guy named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi from the University of Chicago put out a book called Flow. And it Another came out. Big book. Yeah, many. And he has, uh, he had started defining all of these different characteristics of flow. And I was having all of them, including um, this different state of consciousness that had come over me. And I mean, that subject object collapse, as you call it, was happening to me. But I was like, had no clue about oh. any of this stuff. Well, it's just so thrilling. It's, it's such, I mean, that happens if you're in gardening, if you're playing an instrument, if you're making love, there's all kinds of ways that the, it's not you doing it, it's you and it being done. You're one thing, subject and object are one thing. And there's just a natural genius that arises in that and state. It, and it, I was able to continue doing it using this same little childlike game. Okay, so describe this game, because this is, okay. this is sort of still key to okay. the insight. Yes. The difference being, I had stopped watching the ball back and forth. You mean we're not supposed to keep our eye on the ball? And I was doing every, that was the way I learned, everybody learns to, you know, watch the ball, concentrate on the <laughs> ball. Everything was about subject relative to this fast moving objects. So the, there's this natural duality in every one of our competitive games. And I was doing something exactly the opposite. I was defocusing from the ball and focusing right here on my hitting zone. And when, when I show this to people why we're not doing anything, I just have them put their finger out in front of them and look at your fingernail and you can still see everything in the background on the other side of this, of your fingernail peripherally. And then what I was doing is I was putting my finger down and keeping my eyes focused on this imaginary window. And really what it kind of translates to is soft focus. But I was actually fixing my focus on this plane where I was going to make contact. And then the ball would come into focus and go out of focus and come into focus and come out of focus. And as long as I maintained this polar opposite way of using my focus from what I was taught, I stayed in the zone. When I went back to watching the ball, I came out of the zone immediately. Boom, just like that. 
and any time I would be focused on my contact zone and I'd hit a shot, if I'd watch my shot to see how good it was, then I'd be focused on the ball again. And there was that subject-object duality immediately, just like that, coming back into my game. And although that felt more comfortable to me because that's the way I had been conditioned since I was a little kid, and I was really good at it, I was better at this two days after I started it, one day. And it, it was the same thing that had happened to me when I'd gotten into the zone growing up and playing every once in a while, mm-hmm. but I never knew how to reproduce it. And What's here, one of the most frustrating things about being a, a human being is that mm-hmm. kids are often in a flow. Oh, yes, little you know, kids are. I mean, and then we lose that. We think, what, what, what happened? What have I done? What went wrong? You know? I don't sparkle anymore. I don't, you know, I don't have the joy I used to have. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, welcome to adulthood. But, yeah. <laughs> but then we can keep going and actually bring that back online in this new way. Mm-hmm. That, and, and, and let me just say too, Scott, that, I, you know, what you're doing is spiritual practice. I mean, you're, you know, you're... I know you're, that now. <laughs> yeah, we, yes. But... But what I love about doing it in the context of sport is that sports, you know, you can't fool yourself. You either hit the ball back or you don't, and it's 50 or it's 60 or it's whatever time it is or whatever scores or whatever. I mean, there is something about it that is concrete. Yes. Is really, uh, you know, powerful practice territory. It's, It's very authentic practice. And, and it is about as authentic as you're going to get when you're out yeah. there playing. And the nice thing that, that see, I, I couldn't fool myself and I couldn't say, yeah, this is, this is not really happening. Right. And you're having a good day. I mean, this was a great day. And then the next day was a great day. And I was just kept reproducing this overall feeling. That was sort of the thing that happened. My, my, game went up and I was playing in a pretty fast league. And so everybody else noted as, noticed it as well. So some of my contemporaries, I would show them how to do this. And they said, well, that's, that's just silly. You know, that's just something you can do. And here they are doing it and actually getting better. What they didn't understand was that you have to practice this. It would be like the first time you sit down to meditate and you go, oh, my God, my brain is going all over the place. And then you start getting something kind of quiet going and you're able to sort of watch your thoughts and do all of the general stuff. Um, That's fine. And then you go, I'm not very good at it. I could only do this for like 20 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. And it's like that with this as well. But in the context of a game, the way I teach it to people is we, we stay up pretty close to each other and it's all done under, you know, calm, controlled situation where, they, where there's not a whole lot of action where they're not used to it. And then we build on that mm-hmm. to maintain this soft focus in a chaotic surrounding where the norm is to look at all the chaos and try to make sense out of it. And what they're doing is focused on nothing but seeing everything in real time instead of following it all a little bit behind everything. Mm -hmm. And it really gives people a different sense of their presence with 
this environment because they are literally connecting to the flowing present dimension of this environment and staying stably connected to that as long as they do this soft focus thing where they look along the surface of their window for the contact point, they're actually putting themselves into the flowing present dimension. They're co-creating it. And that's that gets into some kind of weird stuff. But in yeah, I was going to say, damn, man. Um, you know, the flowing present. Yeah. Right on. That's the, the nunc fluens as compared to the nunc stans, which is the eternal present. So what this is, is more of the relative domains version of presence. Yeah. An absolute presence. Yeah. Absolute domain. Yeah, but still. But this is the flowing. And this is, but presence nonetheless. Absolutely. And did you know that? I mean, you know, that were you a be, spiritual practitioner who sort of found this? or you know? No, I was a Missouri Synod Lutheran who was scared to hell out of, God, everything. It was like I was going to hell. I grew up in a church school and it was not at all like this. <laughs> I never had an experience like this in, in the pews, you know? Right. Uh, I, I, this happened and it, it rocked my world. It was one of these Satori kind of experiences of like, I've been looking for this my whole life and it, I tripped over it basically. Yeah. Now, did you know it once you tripped over it, or did you just run with it as an athletic? I did it athletically to start with, but then I kept noticing there was this deeper sense of being when I was in this, and I liked that. It was like, this is, this is real. This is like the real me, and this is the real game, and this is my real relationship at a deep, deep level. And you're having success with students. Oh, and yes. So oh, yes. this is all, you know. Mm -hmm. But they had to go through the same thing. That was, that was the part of the training that some of them did not want to do. They didn't want to challenge themselves with this practice wherein they would sort of let go of ego, let go of ego. They were not connected to the outcome like this. You're, you're not connected to the outcome. You're just focused on the process of making contact right at this window. And then you get really good at that and you start watching your outcome going, look how good I am. And all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, I do that on the meditation cushion all the time. <laughs> nice going. Oh, I'm doing really great. Oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's sort of like we, I, I started calling those flash outs. And anytime you'd be in this focal state and you'd be going along really well and then you'd flash out on your shot and miss the next ball. And I'd hit with people and I'd go, what were you looking at? And they go, well, I watched my shot. And I said, yeah, that's a flash out on outcome. And then they go, oh, you're right. You know, so they start being able to differentiate between process and outcome. And, you know, that your basic stage three Psych 101 sports psychology guys are all going, stay in the process, stay out of the outcome. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you end up watching the ball back and forth. So you're in the process when it's coming at you. And then when you watch it going away, you're in the outcome. So you're constantly going back and forth from process to outcome, process to outcome. And you never really give yourself a chance to get into a flow state because you're dividing it 
you're, all of this dualistic stuff is not what flow is. Flow is right. very non-dual. Yeah. Well, I put the chart back up just so we can nail down those okay. stage four and stage five. And, uh, and it, it, this is what you consider the integral level. Uh, stage four is trans self-transformation, conscious mm -hmm. flow, uh, energetics, mental state training, and consciousness technology. And the idea right. is to find your authentic self in this process. Yeah, and, and you know, technology is, is, has different terms for this, but stages one through three are more with egoic self-development. And then you do this, the paradigm shift is the switch out of ego into this authentic self-development. Right. And then, and then the fifth stage is self-transcendent, which is that, you know, sport as spiritual training. Correct. And that's sort of the further fruition of this. Right. And that's where it gets into more of a one, a deeper oneness with everything. And I was feeling that very early on doing this, it started to hit me deep that there's something going on here that has to do with being one with more than just the game of tennis. I was feeling like tennis could then be like one with other games, one with yeah. a big, one with the biggest game. And I'm still competing in those games, but I wasn't competing to win a game. I was competing to co-create this different reality that was for me what the game was all about and what all of them are about. Well, so it's I, so interesting to hear you talk about it in terms of the game. We, we, and, and I want to ask you, uh, you know, it, it, it relates, the way I relate to it, not being an athlete, is uh, that when I'm having a subject, subject object collapse, when I'm in some sort of a flow state, mm -hmm. um, there, I feel like I have access to an intelligence that is beyond me, that I have receptors for, I have antenna for, mm -hmm. but it's not coming from me. Right. And this is, um, well, just intrinsically thrilling, uh, deeply satisfying. And of course, it accesses all the genius that you couldn't pull out of yourself if you tried. No, but there it and, is. And exactly. And... For me, it, it first showed as a physical genius coming out, my own physical genius on the game of playing. And that's only to your, you know, your limits. I mean, I'm so good, and that's as good as I'm going to ever get. And then I go up here, and it's like, wait a minute. What's going on? There's something else here. And I was accessing different ways of solving these problems of making positive contact with the ball. And they were way different than I was normally used to. It was like I was creating new stuff for me for making positive content. And what you're talking about is what happens when you get into this flowing presence in the relative domain. That gives you access, direct access to eternal presence in the absolute domain. And that's where you're starting to talk about absolute consciousness, pure consciousness in this other domain. How do we get to that other domain? 
Well, if that domain is right here, right now, all the time, that's the eternal of it, then if we're in the past or flying out on the future, we're going back and forth in, you know, times opposites, we're not anywhere near time's basic fundamental dimension of flowing presence in the relative which directly connects you to eternal presence in the absolute domain. Mm. And all of these things that you're saying that I have access to when I'm in this state, you're exactly right. But you're also participating in those new thoughts that are coming to you. They're coming to you because you're open in a way that they can come to you. Mm -hmm. Whatever your stage of development the next good stuff is going to be right there for you. And then it's a matter of of absorbing it and sort of putting it into your daily life. Well, and how fabulous that you're doing this in the realm of athletics, which people are already so interested in that it, it, you know, relates to the, in in terms of an integral practice to be the physical dimension, the somatic, um, it's, a, you know, really, I think has a lot of, a lot of potential to really move the ball in, in human development. And yeah, I'm happy to see you not just, you know, thinking about it, writing about it and teaching about it, but building an organization and actually drawing people to this. And, I'm, you know, happy to see your success at that. So tell us a little bit about what is it, the sports, energy and and consciousness group. And consciousness group, yeah, yes. We, you know, SEC group, and of course, <laughs> we're a little bit, we wish we could name ourselves again because we probably wouldn't use SEC as our acronym. But it is what it is, and it's it's growing. And it there are people out there, and there are coaches and, out, and, and athletes out there at all levels, all ages, who are looking for something more than just, I got to go beat the crap out of the guy across the net, and that's going to make me feel really good. And especially the younger, the millennials are really loving this kind of thing. They're in search of some meaning of some sort, and this gives them something that they can firmly grasp onto and say, yes, this is me, but this is me at a developmental increase. I am, I am actually feeling myself getting higher, getting deeper, getting wider, expanding. All of this is happening just through seeing their expansive nature of playing in the zone, whatever game they're playing. I don't care if you're playing checkers. If you get in the zone and play checkers, you're going to be one with the game of checkers. If you're doing any other kind of relational experience and you are in your flow state, hopefully you could show the other people or transmit to them some sort of similar type of state experience, in which case you're both in a flow state simultaneously. Well, if you think about that, that's an entirely different relational environment that is being it's in a different quadrant 
way in a different it's, it's actually it's, it's, you know it's it's part of the we space it's part of second person it's an irreducible dimension of reality first person is as well that you know our personal excellence and transcendence and all that but now you're talking about where both of you are in in, in yes. the yes and one of the most enjoyable and gratifying experiences i ever have is when i've got like four people out on the court and I'm coaching and all four of them are in a flow state and I'm just kind of cruising around watching, observing all of this. And I'm trying to stay in a flow state. I'm seeing the whole thing. And it's almost like a different language is being spoken. They don't say a word, but there's this understanding about what's going on without them having to do anything. Everybody is just, playing at their highest level, but they're also in this oneness state with everybody else. And, and they're all being played by the loving intelligence of the cosmos. Yeah. Something and like that. What a display. Ah, oh, again, hallelujah. Yeah. And so I, I, those are the reasons I teach. And it, it, it's interesting because every, level of development, if we're talking about these levels, every one of those levels is capable of doing this because we're all human beings and we're all living in this relative domain of space and time. And we all have the capability of connecting to this flowing present dimension. It's just how do we do it? And normally we just trip over it someday and something happens and it's like, oh, everything is right. This is the way it's supposed to be. And we have this sensation that I'm, I'm, I'm right. This is right. All of it's right. And then it goes away. And it's like, oh, it's not right. It's what's wrong. And it's, it's important that people can reproduce this and find out ways to reproduce it. And I think that's what's happening in the integral community is that we're figuring out ways to lay down some sort of structure to this second tier experience where we are actually working together. And it's not like, hey, this is my way of doing it or my way of doing it. We're going, this is our way of getting people into this flow state or to be able to recreate this other reality both in we spaces and in, you know, everything I teach is in a we space. I mean, it's all a we space, you know, not, uh, you know, I'll go hit against the wall and that's, that's sort of an individual way that I like to go out, but then I'm having, I'm in a we space with a wall. I just pretend there's this imaginary player behind the wall and he's hitting every single ball back to me. He never misses. He's the best teacher ever. He never says a word to you. He just keeps hitting the ball back. And going, yep, that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it's, yeah. it's well, a, it, it, well, I was just going to say, and that is indeed what we're doing here in the integral community mm -hmm. is trying to chart out this territory. And, and you know, you're you're right square in the middle of it, and yeah. and you know, you get to see it from all these different directions, and I'm I'm seeing it in the athletic world now, and it's actually happening. That's what's so gratifying. There are people out there that are going, yes, yes, we do some of this stuff. And we are, um, 
we want to get together in these conferences and learn more about what you're doing. I want to share notes with people. Yeah. Show me what you're doing, man. This is cool stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's cool stuff for not only the physical reality of I'm a college coach and I, I, my job is all about, you know, I keep my job because my team keeps winning, but here his, his, his team is playing better and they're going through this transformative practice every day and they're becoming bigger, wider, more expansive human beings. And it's like, he's keeping his job. (laughs) So all of the fundamental stuff that you need to get by in this world is happening. And that's one of the biggest problems with the integral community is how do you make money at this stuff? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so leading edge that, there's got to be ways where the people who are finding out how to make a living doing this are getting together and showing other people their practices. And these are very, very, um, what's the word I'm thinking about? Secular practices. There's nothing, right. um, there's nothing religious involved. There's, we, you don't even have to use the term spiritual. They are getting a smack face on spiritual experience when they do well, that. and the value is either it's it's either there or it isn't. It's obvious. I mean, in yeah. athletics, it's painfully obvious because mm-hmm. you know, again, it's the timers and distances and all of that good stuff. But it's also obvious in terms of um, are the people who are engaging it feeling like they're bigger and better and and, and more good, true, and beautiful? Is there a developmental uh, updraft? this yes it it is happening yeah and and i'm glad you brought that up because when i first started it was um i was kind of the black sheep of the of the the national tennis teaching community i would go and show all of that these big national conferences i'd show people how to do this and like a third of the coaches that were watching me go that's pretty cool and then another third of them were kind of on the fence and the other third were like I used to be. It was like, you know, you're full of shit. And so <laughs> it's not quite like that anymore. But funnily, the, the elite coaches used to be the ones that were the third that said you're full of shit. Now they're the third that are kind of going, well, I'm kind of on the fence, but show me some stuff. And if you can do a show and tell with them, which is what I always do, I go, come out on the court with me, coach, player, whatever. Let me show you how to get into the zone. You do what I show you how to do, and I promise you within two or three minutes, you're going to be in the zone. And they go, nah, nah, nah. So I go out and I show them, and they get in the zone, and then they go, oh, okay, yes, I've been here before. <clears throat> then it's like, then you do the tell. But you do the show first. It's very experiential. And, and that's how I approach all of these coaches and coaching conferences that I go to and we get them out there and have them do it and then they're like there's a magnet here it sort of draws them in and they go I want more Mm -hmm. I've actually had students go I want more of this it's Mm -hmm. like they don't know what this is but they want more of it well this is you and in ultimate non-dual reality together. Yeah. 
Well, and it just gives us an idea of how the world moves forward. I mean, how development the, in, in, in the larger sense happens. I mean, sports is a different thing here in this territory yes. than it was before. I mean, I might argue that in some ways it brings back maybe an indigenous um, uh, sensibility, the sort of, you know, oneness that early people might have had when they were running and throwing and yes. hunting, oh, yes. all of yes. that good stuff before all these other layers of development have been laid on top mm -hmm. of that. But that's what integral is, is we want to bring that forward. And there's a sort of a, you know, a, a felt intelligence and, a, 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 you know, like an antenna to the larger intelligence that is, um, you know, we're still sorting it out. But we work at work here. It's not just us. It's us relative to this something else that's at work. But we're getting in the right state of being to be able to communicate with this something else. Call it pure consciousness, call it God, call it whatever you want to call it. it, it any kind of prayer state you go into, um, any kind of meditative state that you go into is eventually going to become a state of presence. And how long you can maintain that state of presence is kind of when you're chit chatting with whoever else is up here, you know. And it's that's how you make these connections. And I would spend eight to ten hours a day practicing this day in and day out and day in and day out when I first started. And I still do it every single day. And it's become more of a, it's, it is a spiritual practice now. And that is how I become one with God, one with spirit. Yeah. Wow. Not Lutheran Missouri Synod God we're talking about. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's come away since uh, then. Yeah. How I'm connecting is not like how I was told to connect or I was going to go to hell. Right. You know, I'm, I'm experiencing heaven on earth on a daily basis. Yeah. And I'm trying to show others how to do the same without having to do any kind of preaching or sermons or anything. That's the, the game does the talking. Yeah. I, I love that part. Yeah. I really do. And for, and I see we're getting on the end of the road yeah. here, but for those people who are interested in pursuing this, uh, well, first of all, Scott Ford, uh, book, Integral Consciousness in Sport, Unifying Body, Mind, and Spirit Through Flow. And that's available. It is Amazon. Just yep. hit Amazon. And you can go to my website, which is scottaford.com. And, um, and there's some videos on there. And videos, so and you can get to the book, and there's some articles and journal stuff. And um, I write about this stuff every day. Yeah. And it also, your conference coming up, and I assume people are welcome to come to that just if they want to know more about this. Of course, and that's, that's going to be in um, the Dominican University of California in San Rafael. It's across, it's in Marin County, across the river from San Francisco. Beautiful little campus. Everything is sort of done right on the campus. Goes for a weekend, July 13th through 15th this year. And um, you can actually go to the 
uh, sportsenergygroup.com is the is the URL, and and you can get tickets there. You can find out more about it, and it's really grown. It was a bunch of us. There were like six or seven of us that first started off just going with this conference and we'd do all the talking and all of a sudden there's these other people who were coming in who have all of these wonderful integral approaches. So we invited them the next year and they came and they were the guest speakers and we were speakers too. And now it's grown where we've got even more people coming and we're bringing in new teachers, new integral theories towards athletics, health, um, wellness, exercise. It's really becoming a, a, a thing now that is growing um, exponentially as opposed to me showing one person how to get in the zone and doing this linear kind of approach to growing things. It's now we've come together as a group and we are expanding now yep. exponentially. So You're a mogul, man. What? You're a mogul. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you're creating I'm just, I'm just really keep, powerful I'm just and I'm, you know, really impressed and, and very grateful. And, um, and grateful to have you on the Daily Evolver, Scott. This has really been fun. I can't believe one of the things about when you get into a flow state in a conversation, it's like all of a sudden it's time to go and you go, wait a minute. I know. Not sure what happened. Thank you so much. I, 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 great privilege. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, thank you, Scott Ford, and uh, check him out and um, uh, come back uh, next time for the next Daily Evolver. Thank you.